Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you and welcome to uh, Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM. Yours truly is Nimrod Upambele. Uh, December is finally upon us. And I'm sure everybody is looking forward to have a rest, uh, you know, during this uh, the festive season. As for me, I certainly can't wait uh, to literally drop everything and take a break and recharge. I suppose uh, despite the unbearable heat that we're all uh, experiencing over the couple of weeks, uh, one is still delighted to share this space and time as we have interesting conversation around social and economic whose uh, insights are being shared you know, through, the, through our esteemed guests. Or they are quite knowledgeable in this kind of space and hopefully by the end of every single conversation you have a wider observation of wider perception of the issues in the, in the, and the most important for me I would imagine is to have a, a balanced view on what is typically complex. In our conversation on this glorious morning, we are putting a spotlight on Sovereign Africa Rating, which is the first African-owned rating agencies in the continent uh, size is fondly known, has been operating for just a year. They've released the first annual report for the, for the, for the financial year and the 28th of February. They've also issued or announced the rating action terms in, in May this year. So through their lenses, we'll obviously know a little bit more about intricacies of rating agencies and their importance. Uh, in the financial market, uh, from where I'm sitting, uh, these issues of, you know, this entity has uh, delivered sterling work in a very short period of time, and we want to see it grow and grow. In that particular conversation, we'll be joined by Dr. Sefiso Falala in his capacity as the CEO of the Sovereign uh, Rating, as well as David Musaka, who is the Chief Rating Executive. Gentlemen, I must take this opportunity to thank you for your time. It is always an honor to have uh, your, you progressing um, the airwaves of Beyond Governance. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Mbele, for having us. We look forward to the conversation. Thanks very much, Dr. Mbele. Definitely looking forward to a very interesting conversation with you. And we thank you for this opportunity. And we also welcome the listeners of your show. Absolutely. Uh, perhaps maybe just setting a scene. We all know that the rating agency is a highly complex uh, environment, which is literally dominated by a few big business, a few uh, big entities, which obviously have amassed 95 percent of the rating business throughout the world. So SARS is competing against you know the biggest and the most influential entities um, in this particular sector. Be that it is made, uh, it has received an endorsement uh, from African Union as it is one of the biggest fights like that has finally dawned in the in the continent for it has been an issue that was lagging behind for a number of years. Gentlemen, without any waste of time, one of the biggest issues that I wanted to, to raise with you as we 
since we're operating in, in the financial sector mo- uh, market, the issues around the rent manipulation that is going around has enraged so many people. You operate in this particular space. What has been your observation in what is currently ensuing around rent manipulation by few banks in this country? Let me start with you, Dr. Falala. There is an investigation uh, into the issue by the uh, Competition Tribunal to try and assess what actually transpired, what is the extent, nature, and impact of the manipulation, so to to speak. So until that report and that work is finalized, it's difficult to conclusively say that proffer an explanation. But from a a SAR point of view, you would know very well that it's not just the RAND that suffers from unfair practices as far as the economies of third world and emerging markets are, are concerned. Our currency is still very much correlated to the value of, the, of gold, for example. And the value of gold is actually not determined um, uh, by us here as one of the leading producers. And uh, pricing for various uh, commodities for which uh, we are well renowned and, and for which um, depend so much um, for our sustenance and economic growth. All these are factors that are part of a global fiscus and global fiscus policy that is skewed against our markets. So um, it is only a tip of the iceberg when you, you speak about the authorized um, traders. And obviously involved in large volumes of, of trade and buying and selling uh, different currencies around the world and their attitudes towards how this can be efficient for their own benefit. So it's quite a, there's a broader and a deeper discussion wherein I think from a sovereign rating point of view, um, the ratings for most African countries are disproportional to actual asset worth, which should factor into um, uh, how they are rated, well, once you use the word rating. So um, I think David can comment a bit more on the, the, the manipulation specifically um, of the currency, but certainly uh, you'd find that you, we exist in an economic environment where literally everything is not necessarily exploited or manipulated, but works in favor of those established markets that have always, um, you know, tended to have an upper hand in trade with the developing world. Thank you very much for that insight, David. Thanks very much, uh, Dr. Mbele, and also for Dr. Falala for his insight and input. Yes, I think what is very key is that uh, on all fronts, uh, this issue of the rent rigging, it's uh, very wrong in the sense that uh, uh, it amounts to a transgression, as Dr. Falala indicated, of our very institutional mechanisms. And one of our institutional arrangements in that space is the competition tribunal. And then it has set a number of acts, like uh, if you look in terms of Section 4.1b of the Act, it definitely contravenes that. And that is why in this instance, I mentioned that it is a, a transgression. But what is very important is that to highlight the fact that the issue of the rigging of the exchange rate uh, has been continuing unabated, whether in an overt manner or in a very subtle manner. I mean, if you can definitely go back, uh, it is something that has happened as early as 2006. And then we already know that in 2015, the competition tribunal 
launched a complaint against 28 financial institutions who were part and parcel of this uh, uh, rigging of the exchange rate. And then if you look in terms of the period in question, that is why I say it has been going on for a long time. Also that between 2007 and at least 2013, Almost 28 banks from multiple jurisdictions. I mean, in this instance, uh, you will find that uh, the European Union, uh, South Africa, Australia and the U.S. uh, did conspire to manipulate the rent uh, through various forms. And then, as I've indicated, this doesn't only constitute a transgression, but it has got very far-reaching consequences on the South African economy. I mean, if you look in terms of its uh, consequences, you will find that uh, this manipulation has really created a number of uh, uh, negatives on our economy. For instance, if you look in terms of the manipulation of the rent, it also hit hard the importers of goods in South Africa. Remember, as a small and open economy, some of the commodities we import across all sectors, whether it's the agriculture sector, whether it's the automotive sector, the manufacturing sector. And then what it does in this regard is that those manufacturers, when they import commodities, they had to part up with billions of rents that were sort of were not the true value of the, the commodities because of this uh, markup or this uh, rigging of the dollar. And on the other hand, consumers, the rigging of exchange rate also, at the end of the day, it translates to higher interest rates to consumers. Can you imagine what has happened to the amount of money that has been sort of lost out of the disposable income of consumers in paying higher interest rates? So that cost is very staggering in the sense that they had to pay higher prices in terms of interest rate and that uh, what is very key is that the debt market in itself the South African debt market, we remember that uh, it is denominated in both the dollar and also the South African currency. So when such transgressions happen, they also impact hugely on the debt market on the South African economy. And besides that, the whole institutional mechanism, I mean, recently we have just been listed by the Financial Action Task Force. I mean, one of their recommendations included that there should be a better monitoring of our financial system. But what has happened, it, be, it makes a mockery of the whole monitoring of our financial system. And also, it also impacts negatively on our institutions. For instance, the Reserve Bank. I mean, we all know that the Reserve Bank is tasked with the most important mission of ensuring price stability in the country and also in terms of protecting the value of the rent. So that in itself impacts negatively on the mission and also on the vision and the responsibility of the Reserve Bank. And it also flowed on what is normally called the prudential authority, which was created to regulate banks. So as I've indicated, in all fronts, this is definitely something that can never be taken lightly. I mean, its uh, negative impacts are very staggering on the South African economy across all sectors, whether it's 
the the the, the, fi- the financial Ooh. sector, economic sectors, the household sectors. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you very much for that insight, um, David, which obviously will unpack slightly more as soon as you come back from this short break. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. This is Beyond Governance. I'm joined by David Musaka as well as uh, Dr. Sefiso Falala, uh, giving us, uh, who are obviously the heads of uh, the rating agencies that is brand new and doing exceptional work in the South African market. Before we took that break, the colleagues here were giving us interesting observations and insights based on the raging conversation or debates around the REM manipulation, a number of pertinent issues were raised. I mean, firstly, the, the vastness, the cabal, if you like, which operates across different jurisdictions, one, and two, this issue is not, it's not new. And colleagues have correctly pointed out that it has happened uh, over the past 10, 15 years, and it continues to happen. And, and it does really, you know, call question the defense mechanism you know, which which outlined by the Treasury and also outlined by the Reserve Bank. And the fact that we were at some point grade listed, as David has correctly pointed out, it does really begin to question. As we continue, colleagues, on this point, obviously the culprits being laid to bear, investigations underway. What would you say from a from the financial uh, control point of view that South Africa seems to be lacking, uh, which obviously influence how the rent um, is been made susceptible to these foreign, you know, influences. You've got to realize that uh, we have a free uh, floating currency, international currency, and, um, that the global financial system of which then we are a, a part is not premised on the principles of being ethical, fair, and uh, trying to help the developing world. It is, in fact, at the core, fairly exploitative. And it is at the core skewed towards uh, global economies. And I think once there is a realization within the South African national treasury of the nation of the beast that we're dealing with, not just for the RAND, as I mentioned, the RAND is just a small part of a bigger problem when it comes to the financial situation we find ourselves in, which then affects the interest rates, the price of petrol, our ability to recover from load shedding, our ability for the economy to grow the economy and to have uh, sufficient direct foreign investment because the economy is vested on its assets. So, so the national treasury, I think, needs to be different in its approach. Um, unfortunately, our national treasury is at the best of times subservient to the global international system and does not have an independent view wherein it can influence and originate policies that 
seek to reverse the exploitative nature of trade, particularly on, on, on various commodities as well as um, currencies. So we, we lack that gravitas. We, we lack the independence to influential. We just, um, uh, as it were, part of a value chain. If, if anything, an insignificant part of the global economic system as, as part of a value chain. So that, those are some of the things that need to be investigated with a view to changing that so that we can begin to have a voice when it comes to, for example, things like um, what we pay on the export, what we pay on, what we get on the export, what we uh, pay on the importation uh, market, and what we get for the for the uh, resources that we are so rich in. Uh, so we need to really, I think, in a natural wake up. Because uh, we are fairly subservient to, to the global economy. And that's not ideal because it's not going to change. Absolutely. Um, David, your observation on this issue as well? The fact that national treasury appears to be subservient um, to the national inst- international institutions, um, we're not able to articulate our own independence. And that gives an impression that um, anybody can do as they please. That begins to question the sovereignty of our own national institutions. Other good reason that Dog Falala has indicated is the fact that, you know, in a space whereby you are a small and open economy, you will always be at the end of the day being in a position whereby you are at the receiving end because of the dominance of uh, the players who are operating in the financial markets. In terms of uh, uh, the financial system, Obviously, they yield much power, and in that regard, you find that uh, not only countries such as us, South Africa, but most countries in the, the in the developing world and also in the emerging market, they are also sort of feeling the wrath of this dominance. And then you find that institutions in our developing countries and also in emerging markets, at the end of the day, they become subservient to what is definitely being uh, given or offered by the dominance of uh, other players in the financial market who at the end of the day sort of uh, manipulate whatever is happening in the financial and capital markets, be it in terms of the financial policies or uh, uh, operating rules in the market. And at the end of the day, you find that our institutions here in the developing world and also in the emerging markets are sort of powerless. So, and then on the other hand is this uh, factor that, remember, due to globalizations and also due to the fact that uh, in our case in South Africa, it is an open transaction market. It is not sort of uh, in a way interfered with. It also lends itself to be susceptible to those type of practices in the sense that uh, when they happen, in any manner of form or under any other guise. Because of so, when such things happen, obviously there are very technical terms that are being used and say that, look, this is a, a currency deterioration due to these factors. So they are always disguised. So there is a thin line also in terms of, uh, as I've said in my introductory remarks, that some of these actions are overt, some are subtle. But at the end of the day, as Dr. Falala has indicated, it also points out to the weaknesses, the, the limitations of our very own institutions. I mean, 
if you look carefully, as we have indicated, how this issue has been happening over time and also how this issue as it is also boils down to uh, illicit uh, trading has also been happening over time. So it seems as if the also the institutional robustness of our entities such as Treasury and Reserve Bank are also now become an, or found wanting in terms of their effectiveness and efficiency to deal with this type of uh, transgression in a very, very uh, resolute manner. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, one critical issue that that is that is emerging, um, at least in my mind, is the fact every sector of the economy has been affected. There's no doubt about that. And this amounts to economic sabotage. If that is an appropriate expression, why is it? I'm sure you may not speak on behalf of BUSA and the Banking Association of South Africa. Based on where you sit, what has been the position of this institution for the banks who are implicated are members of business in South Africa. They are members. There's, a, there's an ethical code which they, they abide by as part of the Q4 Companies Act, a multiple of codes that, that they have subscribed to. Why are we not hearing? Perhaps maybe there, there are voices from business community, you know, obviously calling these issues into question. But are we, are we hearing enough of those kinds of criticism leveled against this executive because these things don't just happen without an endorsement or support from the high echelons in the banks. I think, uh, Dr. Mbele, you raise a very important question, but I think some of the more formalized structures are waiting for, uh, you know, the report uh, from the competition tribunal. I think earlier I made a remark that the global economic system of which we are a part is not premised on ethics. It's not ethical at all. And sometimes people make the mistake of thinking it's premised on profit and it's premised on exploitative um, activities and where the traders, the ones that export and import goods, including currencies and services, they will look for loopholes. They will look for opportunities and, and they'll look for weak areas where they can catapult themselves into positions of profit. And unfortunately, um, we are in a position that we provide those loopholes. Our systems need to be tightened up. And, and, um, fair enough that some of these institutions also might in some senses be connected through the networks that you speak of. In other words, uh, big brotherhood club. And therefore they speak with one voice. They share similar principles as far as economic performance and the, the economic fundamentals of their businesses are, are concerned. So they look out for, for each other. And the important thing that needs to be noted is, is that businesses are there to exploit markets for for profit. And in this case, and in some cases, even if it is unethically so, the one area that we need to discuss perhaps as a country relates to affirmative action. Because the affirmative action that we had related specifically to targeting our own citizens, where it should have been a bit broader than that, I think we did not specifically have affirmative action for how we handle international markets. And we're being exposed consistently. Uh, we need to have a discussion, a big uh, conference that looks at how we can institute affirmative action, not against our own citizens, but affirmative action in international markets, because this is where the majority of the value of this economy is. The majority of the value of this economy 
is not from A to B, from uh, black to white, from uh, white to black. The majority of the leak in the economy is going into international market. Therefore, it is actually quite surprising that we don't have deliberate, well-articulated, active policies of affirmative action in these spaces. It will be quite interesting to hear how the general population view that that the last point around affirmative action because it's something uh, that 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 has a, a negative connotation, particularly in the South African context. Even though from from a religious point of view, it makes absolute sense, but you still have other people who looked at affirmative action as a negative, you know, in a negative light. But with that decision way, you correctly pointed out it does require a big. Uh, a conversation that is meant to illuminate the the importance enabling South Africa, you know, who who you know South Africans who are who have put their heart and money into those particular markets. So it is important because the the evidence it is there are institutions whose whose custodianship has been called into question. The Reserve Bank has been found wanting, as you've already pointed out, the Treasury uh, uh, it's also been found wanting because they are sustained to these kind of manipulation it, and there isn't enough evidence that there is there is not much more that is needed uh, to have that kind of broader conversation that you make that you refer, that you have referred to and and possibly to to add salt into wounds we have we've picked up from the media that some of the banks that have conceded have been slapped, you know, with slapped on the wrist a mere 20, 42, 40, 42, 43 million rands. That is an insult. Yes, we, we are not saying that they the investigation is actually underway, but for those that have already, uh, you know, uh, lifted their hands, say guilty as charged, and you've been charged, you know, you've been fined for the two million rent when you have literally destroyed small businesses. David made a very good point around household disposable cash that has been eroded because of interest rate that's been very high, and the banks have been, you know, fined a mega, you know, for the two for three million rents per bank. Your take on that, David? It is very important that uh, any sanction should always be uh, commensurate with the transgression that has been committed. Because if you definitely look in terms of estimations of the amount of money that has been in terms of uh, revenue or profits that has been generated by these collusions of the banks, it is very staggering. And on the flip side of it, if you look in terms of the opportunity cost, the cost of the, the, as I've said, the victims of this conspiracy, as I've indicated, which is uh, the, the, the importers, the exporters, the households, and all the economic sectors. It's huge, 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 huge. So I really think that uh, it is something that is laughable, like to put up those fines at the values that have been sort of set at in terms of if you juxtapose what has been the damage that has been caused relative to the fines that have been imposed to the financial sector, it's really laughable. And as indicated, it also points out to the fact that uh, when you look in terms of the, as Dr. Falala has indicated, the main role players also, like your Busa, your Abasa, and also this so-called other watchdogs in the financial system. I mean, it also points to the fact that they are also toothless and they are ineffective and they are in a way also conflicted because they are also in close proximity to these players in the financial 
uh, and banking system. So at the end of the day, that is why you find that uh, such anomalies are happening in the sense that uh, trillions are lost in the economy, but the, the punitive measure or the sanction are not commensurate the transgression. And then also, not only the players such as Busa, Abasa, I mean, also the law enforcement uh, agencies, uh, I think, especially with regard to uh, this type of crimes committed in the financial sector. I think there have been numerous instances whereby it also points out to the fact that uh, it seems as if the rate at which you find that uh, these institutions are sort of charged is also very, very pedestrian in the sense that, remember, this transgression of wreaking the rent, it also forms part of illicit trading. I mean, you can also, in a way, see from the figures of for how long has illicit trading been happening in the country and for how long has this currency rigging happening. And then up to today, there is not even tangible sort of uh, action and prosecution by the law enforcement agencies in this regard. Absolutely. We're going to take a break. Uh, when you come back, we will move away from the red manipulation as much as it is an interesting conversation to get more, in, more into SAL, uh, the sovereign rating um, agencies' operations uh, as a new baby in the block, uh, obviously trying to undo or uh, conscientize from an ethical point of view some of the issues that we're seeing. We'll come, let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. Uh, if you've just joined us, uh, we're having a very interesting conversation. Uh, I'm joined by Dr. Siti Supalala in his capacity as a CEO of Sovereign Africa Rating Agency, as well as David Musaka. Uh, his colleague, uh, David, is, respond- is the chief rating executive. Before we took that break, we had a number of critical points as to why the rent has been manipulated and what needs to be done differently to try and reinforce both private and public confidence for the institutions that are the custodians of those kinds of policy uh, frameworks are found wanting. Uh, having said that, let's get back to SAR. SAR has been uh, in operation for a year now, and the first, the first the question would be, how has it been received by the African market, including its competitors? Dr. Falala, you want to give us a heads up on that? Yes, sir. thank you so much. And, and, and perhaps before talking about that, let me just clarify the point about the affirmative action what we mean there is decisiveness. And we actually do not want to end up with a situation where the manipulation of the RAND is seen as the sole and the only reason why the economy is uh, failing to grow. There are several other factors. And in fact, um, National Treasury is guilty of not having clear and ambitious targets. And perhaps the decisiveness needs to be around what do they actually want? Where should the economy be? What are the targets and how do we get there? And some of the issues that then arise 
as exploitation of the loopholes could then be dealt with if we had ambitious targets. So perhaps um, just to clarify that we need to have clearer targets and more ambitious targets. I personally believe that our economy has the potential to reach over a trillion dollars a year. Uh, it's currently less than half of that. And um, we don't hear much talk about how do we get there if there is any ambition to actually get there. So we need to, uh, I think that's the affirmative side of what we want to do in a firm and affirmative way. Now, coming back to SAR, it's been a, 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 an incredible journey. We've been surprised by how well received the agency has been. And, and because it's uniquely positioned, we are determined to actually stick to our guns and maintain what we believe is the right way to appraise um, the countries that we deal with's ability to repay their their debts. We've worked with international groups and we're working within the BRICS uh, framework and the consolidated international framework that the BRICS countries are recommending. Um, we've assessed our own uh, methodologies, which include, amongst other things, Islamic financing or Sukuk bonds. Um, we're able to do regional and municipal Governments, all this we've been able to um, um, get ourselves in a position to do within a space of a year. We can do corporates as well. We, uh, we can look at corporate, corporate instruments and insurance. It's been an incredible uh, journey, and wherever we have been involved in discussions, for example, outside of uh, South Africa on the African continent, I've been to places such as um, Uganda recently. The reception has been um, incredible. It was long overdue to have an independent um, African uh, ratings agency that is not biased. And I think we've been asked the question, are you biased? And Wallace said, no, we are not biased. We believe what is there is biased. And um, you'd be aware of the fact that the narrative seems to be saying, well, we've had so many years of um, colonial rule. We've had so many years of exploitative tendencies, some of which have arisen this morning's discussion. But to what extent are those the effects of those practices taken into account in uh, what has been deemed to be degenerative ratings. Degenerative in the sense that most emerging markets that are being observed do not improve. In fact, when they are being measured, they, they continue to decline. And the call for uh, from most of the emerging markets and on the continent is for resuscitative and for revitalization of the economies through dialogue and through understanding the issues that got Africa into the position where it is now. So it's been, we are coping on a daily basis with um, a large demand for conversation and for stringent analysis of the variables that um, impact um, the economies uh, of the continent. Interesting um, patterns of development in a very short space of time. It is quite uh, pleasing to hear that the the, the reception around uh, SAR has been quite positive across different markets. Uh, perhaps maybe one of the issues that a listener out there would be keen in hearing or knowing about is what you define as your unique selling proposition. Fundamentally, what is the difference between SARS and other agencies' methodology, which we have sort of touched about, which makes it more pertinent uh, in the markets having to gravitate towards that type of methodological uh, approach because they, they it begins to unearth and, and put out indicators or items or metrics that are ordinarily suppressed by other rating agencies. 
First of all, I think David can add to that. First of all, it is the philosophical premise that underpins ratings agencies. If you look at uh, the global ratings agencies, the philosophical premise is an investor perspective, and particularly an investor that is resident in a Western market seeking to invest outside of that market, and therefore typically skeptical and typically looking for almost every excuse that they can find not to invest rather than looking for opportunities to to invest. So our premise is not based on a skewed view or a skeptical view around the, the, the continent. It's based on a view that the continent is after emerging and after the last few states obtained their independence, the continent is poised for significant growth. And therefore, we take into account statistical indices that include, amongst other things, that are not included by these uh, global agencies, such as the natural resources. And you ask yourself why they are not included when they are, in fact, exploitable assets. And as the degenerative ratings happen, those assets become cheaper and cheaper. And as the rand gets manipulated is even cheaper. So to who are these ratings agencies actually serving? And therefore, the idea is that ratings should not exclusively serve the interests of the would-be investors. That's how they're designed. That's the philosophical underpinning. But they should also serve the interests of ordinary citizens. In other words, ordinary citizens need to understand how the country is rated and what they need to do in order to improve. David, um, over and above the philosophical outlook, which um, Dr. Falala is correctly pointing out, what would you say is the defining or personally the unique selling proposition of SAR compared to its competitors? Yeah, Dr. Falala has rightly pointed out. I think what is very key in our approach is the transparency also of our modeling framework and approach in the manner also that we publish it on our platforms. Uh, And then also what is very key in this rating framework, the philosophy is that in order to not render your methodologies and uh, framework susceptible to manipulation, we do our very important intervention in the rating process is what we call notching. So we do it as part of the processes prior to we we, we publish the results. We call it that variable notching rather than notching at the results table. That is a very key aspect to make sure that your results are objective, uh, are reliable, and are not manipulated. And then as Dr. Falala pointed out, the variables or the pillars that do with natural resources, a new innovation in terms of SAR is concerned. Because remember, Africa, as it happens now, with regard to the value, we have now brought up uh, metrics that definitely gives the value of the mineral resources in their natural form or raw form, or if, say, for example, beneficiation is sort of implemented, because we believe that that is something that has been overlooked by other agencies because of you can never say if uh, sovereign states have got vast wealth of resources and then you say that they are incapable of uh, meeting their debt obligations. Because if you look in terms of the value of their natural resources, that in itself, it serves as a revenue base. It can be used for beneficiation, for industrialization, for creating more revenue, tax revenue, more revenue in terms of royalties. And that it means that in terms of the uh, solvency, 
and liquidity of countries. The issue of wealth uh, value can never be overlooked. So that is a very critical, innovative factor that we have introduced and that set us apart from a a number of uh, rating agencies uh, globally. Now, thanks for that insight. I'm quite intrigued by what you refer to as a notching variable, which obviously is is the an instrument that provides more substantive uh, authentication of the results, which, in your view, are not susceptible to manipulation. And I'm sure other rating agencies can also argue that their framework are robust, their framework are not being manipulated as such. But be that as it may, I think the taste of the pudding is on how the market embraces innovative instruments and the extent to which these instruments are beginning to take a wider approach, firstly recognizing the complexities of the uh, rating environment and bringing in items which they were neglected for nefarious reasons, if you like, because if you have a, you know, material endowment as in Africa, Africa, as we all know, has been defined, defined as the last frontier of development. Every single continent, every single multinational, every single, you know, country that is worth their salt is looking in the West is looking to Africa. Surely that gives a very positive perception in terms of how the continent can use its resources via via beneficiation. I, I think that's quite a very useful point and worth making argument, and which is obviously unparalleled. But having said that, as we proceed, give us a sense of, I mean, obviously perception in the continent matters. To what extent your instrument looks at perception because other rating agencies have been criticized and rightfully so that you know most of the uh, outlook are largely informed by it was suppose a combination of perceptions but also some data in some instances the argument is that perception is far greater than reality you know what would you say SARS perception has been from an uptake point of view, Sufisa said there's been positive, but we know that there's there's a superficial embracement, but it's also more substantive uh, biting at what the African solution is in relation to how other uh, well-grounded entities that have been operating for the past you know hundred and more years. Mr. Falala, your take on that? I think you've, you've got to realize that you have a world that is uh, hardwired to accept without question uh, the existing situation uh, in which the, the top three are seen as part of the course. Um, and uh, therefore, the new players, particularly one like SAR that, that says that we feel that there are more variables to be looked at, uh, tends to be looked at uh, with a bit of circumspect and, and skepticism. Uh, the reason being that we don't have any allegiance to a particular entity, but our allegiance is to the accuracy of the, 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 the rating. So the perceptions are that we actually know for a fact that uh, the, the, rate, the top three ratings agencies are not necessarily correct. We, uh, nobody says that they are correct, but everybody kind of says that we know that we have to use them. So they, they are ingrained and uh, their names are etched on, on a, a concrete stone whereby institutions have to have no choice but to use them because 
that's what the investors, foreign direct investors, uh, use when they make these uh, decisions. So it's a two-way uh, perception uh, story where they are saying, on the one hand, we really appreciate the um, the rigor and the objectivity of your methodology. But at the same time, we exist in an institution that constitutes of a certain strongholds that is ever dare to break them down. So that's the, the problem, the challenge that we face, that people admire what we do, but um, if they use it, they can use it, but they still have to refer to that which is the gold standard as authenticated and rubber-stamped by the investors. That's a tragedy in my view, uh, but be that as it may, um, you'll come in, David. Um, let's take a quick break. You'll come back just to take this point forward. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. If you have just joined us, we literally gravitate towards the end of the very fascinating show that I am having. I'm joined by Dr. Sapisa Falala as well as David Musrako, who is the uh, chief rating um, executive at the at, at SAR. Perhaps maybe running off this kind of conversation, in your report, colleagues, you have noted that South Africa's economy is gradually becoming more and more resilient, particularly when you look at electricity uh, shortages. Obviously, there, there are somehow alternatives and that has some sort of cushion the sustainability of the economy. Um, and you made reference to the President Energy Action Plan. Um, and how important is this um, item of energy resilience or the country's um, resilience based on, on energy. Because some people may argue that, you know, uh, the energy is not as, as robust as it should be. Uh, and the, the, the energy action plan announced by, by government is not as solid as it should be. But in your uh, policy document or in your uh, report, you have clearly indicated that there is that uh, resilience and, and, and you underpin it on the energies, uh, on the president energy action plan. Take us through that, David. Obviously, the country is facing uh, enormous energy challenges, and obviously we know that uh, energy is very critical in as far as ensuring that uh, economic growth at very decent levels are achieved. But remember, on the other side, if you look in terms of the whole energy landscape in South Africa, you find that uh, your industry, your commerce, agriculture sector, those are the sectors that are definitely consuming sort of in huge uh, gigawatts or megawatts, uh, your ESCOM electricity. But what is happening in those uh, sectors? I mean, the rate and speed at which they are investing in energy, I mean, it's very, very impressive. And it gives hope in the sense that 
they are in a position also to cushion the negative impact of this electricity supplied by ESCO. I mean, you look at agriculture, the farmers are investing a lot on their own in terms of uh, solar energy, in terms of uh, uh, hydrogen energy, in terms of uh, uh, battery storages, and then also the automotive industry as well. They are also spending a lot in terms of ensuring that uh, they have sort of adequate supply of uh, energy. So in that sense, that is why we have mentioned that even though on the other hand, energy action plan by the, the, the presidency is putting much effort also to sort out the issues as ESCOM. But believe me, the private sector, it's definitely ending a lot. I mean, we've had uh, recently one of the telecommunication giants have invested billions in terms of ensuring that uh, they secure uh, renewable energy. So that in itself, it also try to cushion off the, 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 the crisis uh, in the energy sector. But yes, indeed, the, 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 the first price would have been that uh, uh, our electricity utility, ESCOM, is able to, but in their very nature, the private sector don't wait for uh, certain things to happen. They make things happen. That is why if you look in terms of the number of investment made in the uh, uh, private sector on their own to secure energy, uh, yes, the problem also remains also in the household sector whereby a lot of people rely on ESCOM energy. But if you look in terms of the number of solar panels that are imported in this country, it also shows you that a lot of uh, households are also going out of grid. Uh, and then that in itself also talks to the resilience in terms of amid this crisis. There is a push to private sector to source their own energy and also by households to source their own energy. And also the mining sector as well. They are investing a lot on their own renewable energy. So in that case, it also try to to, 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 to ease out the negative impact of electricity shortages or electricity supply as provided by ESCO. No, thank you very much for that observation. Unfortunately, we're going to wrap up. Um, perhaps Sifiso Inokapaja as the head of the flock, uh, where to from now from a start point of view, now that you have obviously gone into a year, what to look for? Yeah, thanks. Uh, we, uh, for the time that we've had uh, with you and thanks to the listeners, now that we have developed uh, the main instruments, we will continue to uh, produce reports. There are reports that are coming out. Um, we've got a report on uh, South Africa. We've got a report on on Ghana. There are other countries that we're going to rate, and there are some private ratings as well that are in the pipeline. So we will continue to escalate and, and strengthen the conversation and the dialogue and the commercial um, competence of, of some. Thank you very much. Absolutely. David, your parting shot on this very glorious uh, day, and thank you very much for coming through. Okay, thank you, Doc. I mean, my parting shot is that uh, we, as we are very positive that we are definitely making an impact, and then we are also making inroads in both uh, developing and emerging markets, and then we are hopeful that, I mean, we will definitely continue to make an impact and leave a footprint on this continent. Thank you, Doc. Absolutely. Uh, perhaps maybe uh, it's worthwhile just to request the listener to go to your website and look for uh, interesting forthcoming uh, publications that come from SAR. Yeah. Uh, in this regard, uh, we will be publishing the South African uh, rating 
by the we have started with it it will be published early next week and then we are also commenting on very topical issues in this country like the agoa africa growth opportunities act the free trade agreement and then also on a number of typical issues like the manipulation of the rent so we urge our listeners and also the view the the, the, the readership out there to look at our website visit our website log on and check all the the commentary on the topical issues absolutely website is www.saratings.com www.saratings.com absolutely gentlemen we're going to have to leave it here we have run out of time as always it's always fascinating to have this kind of thought provoking and an insightful conversation that that illuminates the kind of work that you do um, we wish you all the best from uh, from beyond governments Thank you very much, Doc. There, there you are. That was Dr. Sifiso Falala as well as David Musayaku, who is the, these are the colleagues that are heading a very interesting, uh, entity called SAR. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you've heard for yourself. Uh, we can only watch the space. Uh, let's leave it from here. Shalom.